Hey, I'm Dwayne. And I'm Jennifer. And together we're doing a podcast, Roots. The Unseen Life. Come on a journey with us. You'll produce a system of roots that will stabilize you and... Produce fruit. We're going somewhere. Come along with us. (laughs) Hey, we want to welcome you guys to the podcast, Roots, colon, The Unseen Life. Is it colon? Or is it semicolon or is it just underneath? We're just going to go with roots. Okay. <laughs> hey, today we are so excited. Um, to me, when we're putting together the list of people to interview, this guy was at the top of the list. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we'll get the get the privilege of, you're going to hear from Mike Bickle. And uh, I didn't say this in front of him, but I want to say this uh, so he's not hearing. Uh, just, and, I, and uh, I really believe that history... Um, you know, if the Lord tarries for another century, um, Mike Bickle's name is going to be one of the reference points for what is happening right yeah. now on the earth. Um, he has, uh, he's the one that kind of really gave language for the idea of day and night prayer, persistent prayer that has filled the earth. It's 20 years now. IHOP has been going day and night, 24 seven, never stopped, never, ever stopped in 20 years. But also just right now, his theology that he's releasing on the return of Jesus, eschatology, it's filling the earth. And so I love this man deeply. He has, his teachings transformed me. It's given me vision, a framework for my life. Yep. And so I think you're going to be blessed. Yeah, I think so too. And, and, and we hit a lot about the evaluation seat and what are we going to be evaluated on. And, and it, it's, it becomes very practical yeah. and user-friendly. It's not ethereal. It's like, whoa, I can be faithful today and the Lord will evaluate my faithfulness and reward me for it, which is incredible. Yeah. It just changes your perspective on life. And so I think you're going to like this podcast. We love Mike so much. He's a spiritual father to us. We worked with him closely for 20 plus years. And I think it's going to be a good podcast. I hope you enjoy it. All right, jump in. I think you'll enjoy it. Oh, Mike, it's amazing to have you on. Uh, as uh, as Jennifer and I were putting our list together of who we wanted to interview, um, for, for, for us, you're at the top of the list. And so this is a joy to have you with us. And, and you're well, literally I am in so, my head. I am so blessed by the years you poured here in Kansas City to build IHOP. You remember you were my first staff member in 1999, the very first one. Yes. <laughs> you came and said, I'm in. I said, what's your name? And, man, you were really <laughs> And then you went to Brazil and built that amazing prayer ministry in Brazil. And then you... Now you're in Colorado and you're doing this ministry. So I just want to support you and stand with you all day long. <laughs> that works. No, we it's, appreciate that. It's amazing. But I just, uh, um, for me, it's a true delight. And um, when I think of, of Mike Bickle, I think, you know, I would, you know, I've told you this before, but I would call you my spiritual father. And, yes, uh, and I you have. That. <laughs> but you have, mo- you've modeled to me, but you've also taught the truths of the scriptures and I've given me a love for the word and, and, you know, and then in regards to lifestyle, how you have Mm -hmm. walked a life in the word, in the life of prayer that I want to have always wanted to emulate. And I, you are the greatest resource for my own teaching and everything. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, this is kind of a weird first impression, but when I first met you, I remember thinking, 
he has the zeal of a new believer, but he's not a new believer. And I went, hmm, maybe he's leading a double life. Like there was something in me that couldn't believe that you would truly be as passionate as you were. I thought you're pretending. <laughs> and so I know that's a terrible thing. But after about six months, I went, oh, this is real. And so it took me about six months to officially be provoked by your life. And then it was like, oh my gosh, I need to sit and listen and learn. And something that has always struck me as amazing about you is that you're humble enough to let other people participate in the grand calling that you have. You know what I mean? Like we were 29 and you treated us with dignity. You listened to us. I mean, we were dumb. We were arrogant. We thought we had so much going on. And Speaking mostly of yourself. Mainly but. of myself, probably. <laughs> but you, you took seriously the people that were around you, and you brought us along the journey. Amen. Like, you really did embody seeing budding virtues in someone and relating to them as if they were full bloom, even though we were just total morons. You, you believed in in your team, allowed us to grow, gave us a context to spread our wings. And I just want to thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that, except for the only thing you're forgetting is that what I saw is a young couple that had spent 10 years putting their life on the mission field, who was living in this financial sacrifice to do night and day prayer. And you were in the prayer meeting hours a day, leading people serving so it wasn't <laughs> such a hard find to me <laughs> it's pretty obvious well you're generous with your remembrance believe yeah me. <laughs> absolutely hey but, what uh, a Dwayne, uh, i gotta tell your folks who are in that are listening to this that are connected to you Dwayne was a phenomenal bass player and the story was that he was a rock star in eastern europe who played in the band of the bass and he came here, and that story kind of followed him. And we asked him for autographs and selfies, and he's like, "Nah, it wasn't really a rock star. It's all overrated." It's it if was, that were only true. It, right? Yeah, a phenomenal bass player, absolutely not. But you had a you you traveled, you you played in English. You were kind of a rock star. And if so you that spoke part, English. and if you spoke English, so that kind of was somewhat kind of true, but. Yeah. I mean, and truthfully, you know, I don't want to dominate with funny stories, but Dwayne was on MTV in Serbia. The European, Eastern European version of MTV. <laughs> MTV in Serbia. Okay, last funny story, then we're done and get all serious. Right before you <laughs> left, Dwayne, we played the IHOP U touch football game. And you caught the winning touchdown pass, man, right at the corner of the in the middle of the end zone. You won on the last play. Not bad Come for on, a church. Canadian. Hey, you Canadian, <laughs> you guys don't even play. Oh, I guess you do play football up there, don't you? We try. We try. We try. Okay, but okay. still, it's we'll also, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. I, uh, you, yeah, absolutely. I just, I have such love and appreciation for you, Mike. And, and, uh, and so what I've asked Mike to, I wanted to talk with him about today was an encounter that he had as a young man. But but more than that, the theology that helped shaped you because you're probably and possibly one of the most focused and in a positive way driven men that I've ever encountered. Um, you have a work ethic, so you're one of the most driven, focused men that I know. And so uh, I would like us to get into a little bit of that motivation. Right. Why why do you do what you do? Why are you going after? Why are you so 
so focused. People are important to you. You build relationships. So that's that's not at the cost. You have healthy, you know, loving people around you, but you're very focused. Not only in building IHOP, not only in studying the word and being a teacher, but in even your your life before God and, yeah. and how you walk as a man. So yeah. I want to get into that. Good. I but love it. it. I love it. We want to really hear the encounter, though. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. I want to so flesh that out. So would you tell us that encounter? Yeah, oh, yes. That, I'll jump right into it. It was uh, uh, October 1978. So I'm 23 years old. I live in St. Louis. I pastored St. Louis for seven years. So I'm right in the middle of that seven-year period. Not that that matters in the story. But it's October 78. I go to bed one night. And I again, I've been pastoring now for three years. I'm preaching on prayer, preaching on revival, reading the biographies, the ones you read about the guys who went to the mission field and died and all that stuff. And, you know, you have this idealistic, youthful wish to go be a martyr on the mission field until you get there and it's 100 degrees and there's no air conditioning. Then you want to go home. You're like, well, this is too hot. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're reading the book. It's, it's amazing, you know. It's very <laughs> so, romantic, uh, yeah. Very romantic, yes. Okay, so. I go to bed one night, starts off uh, as a dream, but it ends up as something different than that. And I don't know what it is, but it's more than a dream. And so uh, in this, I go to bed. And so in, in this dream that turns into something else, I'm kneeling. It's pretty brief, but very, very direct and straightforward. I mean, clear is what I mean. Uh, I'm, I'm looking into the eyes of Jesus. I mean, I'm seeing Jesus. I mean, how many times have you seen Jesus in a dream? Like once in 40 plus years. This is it. Wow. Like, this is real. I'm looking at him. Oh, my goodness. And he says one sentence to me. He's not smiling. He's not frowning. He's sober. He looks at me, and I'm kneeling in front of him. And he says, you're saved, but your life is wasted. I was shocked. And I said to him, it's impossible. You have the wrong man. Not impossible. You have the wrong man. You have the wrong person. Because I'd been reading biographies for four or five years, been prayer meetings, you know, not a ton, but fasting somewhat regularly for revival and witnessing like crazy and giving my money away to missions and saved that my life was wasted. I don't even, I said, you have the wrong person. He stares at me. He doesn't change his countenance. He doesn't smile, but he's not frowning either. He's just staring. And then the Holy Spirit speaks. It's crystal clear. I mean, I didn't see the Spirit, of course, but this sentence comes. It's impossible to manipulate the man Christ Jesus. In other words, I understood you will never change his evaluation of anything ever. <laughs> He, what he knows is truth. And in his presence, whatever is true becomes manifest when he shows up. He's not just the truth. The truth manifests wherever he manifests, which is kind of exciting and scary, right? It's like, whoa. Right. So that sentence enters my heart that it's impossible to manipulate the man Christ Jesus. So I can't tell him, convince him he is the wrong person. So I shift gears the second time. And I go, okay, can I have one more chance? And the same voice of the Spirit that said it's impossible to manipulate the man Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit spoke the passage, Daniel, I mean, not Daniel, Hebrews 9, 27, 
it's appointed to a person to die one time and then the judgment or the evaluation. And the emphasis was on it's appointed you get one time, that's it. Yeah. Then the evaluation. So I'm sobbing with so much regret. I'm sobbing. This is the worst disaster humanly imaginable to look at him eye to eye and him say this to your life. My t-shirt, I'm on my knees, my t-shirt is wet with tears. It is the most painful. I can remember to this day, literally that was, what, 40 years ago, something like that, going on, you know, whatever 78 was. I guess 42 years now, I guess, yeah. Yep. And yeah. Uh, I remember it vividly. And I think about this, every day would be exaggerated, but surely once or twice a week for 40 plus years, I think of wow. this experience. Surely once or twice a week. I mean, maybe not, wow. but probably. And so my t-shirt is wet with tears. This dream lifts. That's why I say it's more than a dream, but I don't know how to define it. I'm not in bed. I'm across, I'm away from the bed, kneeling exactly like the dream, and my t-shirt is wet just like it was. And I'm exactly in the same posture with the same clothes, this t-shirt, and I go, how did I get over here? How did this happen? How did I dream and it happened to me in the natural? To this day, I don't know what you call that, but it was more than a dream. But it's, uh, so I sit there, I am stunned, grieved beyond measure, so sad, confused, not just grieved. Confused is more than grieved, to be honest. I am so confused. I don't know how to do this then. If that's what he says, and this, and I've been living as dedicated as I know, because a lot of, of the young people around me were thinking I was real radical, and they were all, you know, so, oh, you're so radical. I thought, I don't know how to do it. And I wow. sit there for a few minutes, and then the Holy Spirit speaks to me and, and makes this clear. This was the mercy of God. This is the conversation we are saving you from ever having. Wow. Then I understood it. I went, oh, wow. It goes, this is the conversation that by, our, by the mercy of God, you will not need to have because we gave you this ahead of time. And so that became the plumb line conversation, even more than beauty, even more than love. And I would like to say it's beauty and love, but this is the one that's first. And then through the years, I was always a little perplexed because that was so dramatic. It was such a dramatic supernatural encounter you know, in those days, you know, before I moved to St. Louis, I mean, to Kansas City when I was 27, because I'm 23 years, this is like the only one, <laughs> you know, like I'm one yeah. encounter in 10 years, you know. After I came to Kansas City, I had a couple more, and then with Bob Jones and Paul Kane, some other things happened, but in that 10-year stretch, you know, from age 15 to 27, that was that, there's the one. <laughs> You yeah, know, yeah. unusual event like that. And I thought, I don't even know what to do with this. So now I get to Kansas City when I'm 27, and then the Lord speaks. As you know the history, a couple supernatural encounters, which I won't go into, but he speaks the bride of Christ 24-7, yeah. the beauty of right. Jesus, the end time message. And over the years, I said, like from 27, like I'm 65 now, so that was that 30, 30, I don't know, I'm bad at math, but 35 years later, whatever, I've thought many times, why didn't I have the bride of Christ, the beauty of God, and the first commandment? Why didn't I get those messages first? 
Why was I terrified first? Then I became tenderized later. Lord, yeah. I mean, I remember being 35 and 40 and 45 going, I think I should have been tenderized first and terrorized second. <laughs> but it was, I never could figure that out. Why that was the, that was the plumb line kind of watershed or watershed, I don't know if that's the right word. The plumb line word was that one was the first one. Because I thought being tenderized by beauty and love is more powerful. But then I preached on the beauty of God, the first commandment, as you guys have, and we've witnessed it together for 20 plus years that we've walked in this together. If people don't have the fear of the Lord, the bride of Christ, God delights in you message, can easily spin out into presumptuous carelessness. Because, hey, he Absolutely. delights in me. Praise God. I don't care. Right. But I can never get away from that terrifying feeling I had because one thing's for sure, I've said this for many years, I fear, uh, I fear several things like wasps and snakes and sharks, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I, fear, I fear several things, whatever they are, but there's nothing I fear more than regret. Regret is the thing I'm most afraid of than anything in life is regret. And that was because of that encounter. I've never had anything of that level. I've had a couple of dramatic things, but nothing that terrifies, terrified me like that. And so the beauty and the tenderizing bride, God delights in me. He delights in mercy. It works because I'm anchored in that. And like I've told the young people, you've heard me say it. I tell you, because I, I tell this story all the time, this encounter. That's why I love it when you said, hey, would you talk about that? I went, yeah, are you kidding? <laughs> That'd be fantastic. And I tell young people, I go, the most important thing about your life, the most important thing about your life is what that man is thinking when you first meet eye to eye on that day. Whatever he's thinking, that's all that matters about the success and happiness of your life. If your life is happy or not happy, success or not success, well-known or forgotten, whatever, whatever is in that man's mind when you meet eyes that first time is the absolute most significant thing of your life. No matter who mistreats you, how happy you are, how sad you are, if he is smiling because of what he's thinking, he's smiling because he loves us. Even in our brokenness, he loves us. Even the people that are saved with life is wasted. He still loves us. But if he is right. smiling, thinking, you chose right. You chose wise. Oh, my gosh. A billion dollars could not equal that. Right, right. So how... Hey, wait a second. I was going to ask a question. Hey, We've I... got tons of questions to ask here. So who wants to go first? Go ahead. Go Finally. ahead. Finally. He's going to be a hog of the microphone the whole time. <laughs> my my question, because it's been my wrestle, and I feel like I've worked it through, but I'm sure you have clarity. How do you temper what's devotion and what's performance? Because we, we've talked with a bunch of young people, you know, over the years, and it's like, oh, no, how do I how do I not feel like I'm chasing after um approval but yet wanting to be abandoned in devotion 
because you are very merciful and gracious towards people's weakness. So it's not like you don't have a grid for someone stumbling. You do. And, and you, will, you will go the extra mile to get up and help them and, and walk with them. But for the, for, for the person who's hearing this message and maybe they don't have the context that we've had, how do they not hear this as do better? jump higher. Do, do you understand my question? Oh, 100% I do. Yeah. Yeah. Do better and jump higher is not bad. Cause I, right. cause you hear that. I mean, that's a term we hear a lot and, yeah. and do better and jump higher. What matters is why do better and why jump higher. Yes. <laughs> it's the why, excellent. not the why. It's the that's why, excellent. not the what. If, if I am exerting more effort, because I'm trying to get him to like me or I'm exerting more effort so I can get more people approving of me. That's performance. If I'm exerting more effort because he does like me and because I'm grateful, that is called devotion. So it depends on the gratitude. If I'm doing it out of gratitude and the fear of the Lord too, not just gratitude, gratitude for mercy, but he is God almighty. He did yeah. create us. He is right. the boss. It's, it is gratitude, but it's more than gratitude. Mm -hmm. It's the trembling. He is the master. He is our husband, but he's more. He is the king. If I'm doing that out of profound respect, you are awesome, and I thank you, then it's called, yes. then it, then it's called devotion. If I'm doing it and say, would you please like me? Would you please, like, he's so gracious. Would you please like me? And would you get, hey, people, if I jump higher and jump, you know, farther, however we say that, would you all, like, think I'm more amazing? That is a, that will beat us up. That is a performance yes. thing that we're all by nature do it that way until we wean off of it. And we get weaned off of it inch by inch, not in one day, yes. like one day you're on it, the next day you're off. We slowly realign and acclimate slowly off of that. It takes time and it takes pressure. I mean, in theory, it shouldn't take pressure. It should be he's majestic enough and gracious enough. We should do it. But it's the pressure of people disapproving in me. It's the pressure of delayed promises. It's the pressure of setbacks, yeah. the pressure of betrayal that makes me ask the deep question. And then the Lord asks me a deep question. What is it you're really about? I mean, that's the question I'm asking him. Why am I doing this? Is this worth it? I don't need to do this. And the Lord goes, okay, why are you doing what you're doing? Then we acclimate little by little. I wish I could do it without pressure, but I always do it way more if, if there's delayed provision, delayed promises, betrayal of people, setbacks, disappointments. It's like, ah! Why am I doing this? The Lord says, come on, come on, keep talking. Absolutely. And that's how yeah, I yeah. inch yes. myself, my realignment, inch by inch. That's the only way it happens. But a lot yes. of folks, yes. when they get hurt and disappointed, they end the conversation there, I got a bad deal. But if we uh -huh. take it to the next thing, you know, I don't like this, but I got a good deal. Because the God of Genesis 1 wants me. Wow. Not just he wants me. The God of Genesis 1 wants me. Wow. Wow. And he's gracious to me. Wow. Uh -huh. You know, I think this is worth it. <laughs>
And so it's Amen. that yeah. sentence, that realign, that realign 10,000 times. It's like push-ups. It's, you don't get strong yes. on the 50th push-up. What push-up do you get strong on? Well, if you do it for years, I don't know. There is no one push-up you get strong. There is no exercise that one day. No vitamin. Right. That's the day the vitamins made you healthier. It's day after right. day after day for years and years and years. Just so you know, I'm not that great on my push-ups or vitamins. Just so you know, just <laughs> full visibility. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure, right I mean, there. Let me That's let me right. say. Now that what, was really good. That but for excellent. me, John fifteen, as you have opened that up, chapter up for me, it has given me the motivation to really, you know, if we love Him, we keep His commandments. Mm-hmm. Those that keep His commandments love Him, mm-hmm. and that to me has been a a a place that I can plant in and get vision for for what I will be evaluated on because of love. So that bridal paradigm has shifted me forever. Yeah. But Mike, what about, um, so just set us the little bit of the context. Why, why is my life going to be evaluated? What is, what is going to be evaluated in my life and what is it unto? So just because it's, Good. it's not a topic that is really taught or understood much in the body of Christ. And the word judgment is actually causes a lot of fear. And so you help me navigate that with evaluation, but why evaluate. am I going to be evaluated? And and what's it unto? Yeah, that's good. Now, fan, no, fantastic. If, if what we do matters, no, if it matters to him what we do, then it gives us relevance. If he doesn't really care if I obey or not obey, obedience is very important. If he really right. cares that I push back, against negative things and temptations and discouragements to obey him, my pushback moves him. It's worth it. So if there's no evaluation, it's almost like all the pushback and the re-signing up, it loses a whole, not all of its value, but it loses a bunch of value if it doesn't matter to him either way. And so the very essence of love means choices matter. And a lot of folks want an idea of love where no choice matters, but then it's a, it's a sentimental view of love that doesn't hold up under scrutiny and deep thinking. It's not really love. It doesn't overly matter. And so, but he is the Genesis one God angels bow before him because his un, you know, what, what's, what's the, how, how do I like to say this? That his, uh, uh, Oh, oh I, I use a term a lot. It's that his surpassing, just indescribable greatness. There, there's nothing like him, you know, because his transcendence. And he's so big and so mighty that he does have the right, since he created us with his own hand, he does have the right to call us to be like him. And he doesn't want us to be like him just so he can prove he's boss. He says, I am love. If you're like me, love will be secure in the created order. If you're not like me, love will be injured in the created order when it's multiplied out. So you must be like me not to prove I can wrestle and pin you. You must be like me because I'm committed to love and lack of love will injure the entire love reality in the eternal universe. That's why the people who say no to him, they're driven out of it. And so, so it's not about him being boss, though he does have the right to tell us, even if he wasn't loving, if he was angry, but the boss, he still gets to tell us because nobody, 
nobody can stand against him and prevail. But he's, he's actually forcing our hand because he wants love to be unhindered in the created order. And you have to choose love for love to be real. And you got to be able to not choose love for love to be real. Because if we're automated, if we get a pill or we're programmed to love, then love's not real. We're robotic. I love you. I love you. I yeah. love you. It's not real. So if, if the choice for love is real, then the choice not to love has to be really real. Therefore, the value of love is real. And then there has to be evaluation. Because yeah. if we choose love, but nobody cares that we did, it didn't matter to anybody. Well, that's a contradiction. And so though it looks like the paradigm of an angry coach cracking the whip, practice harder. But it's a loving king that says, I have all authority, but I'm using my authority to secure and protect love in my, in my kingdom forever. But I'm not going to force it on anybody. I will reward it and honor it. And I'll give you a thousand new beginnings in this age. I'll keep being gracious to you if you'll keep signing up. But I do want you yeah. to sign up for love. Yeah. A thousand new beginnings. That's a, that's a beautiful expression. You should write a book on that. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. And so why? Wait, wait. Again, full visibility or full, exp however we say that, 10,000 new beginnings. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, in, re in regards to the evaluation, so um, give us a little uh, millennial kingdom. This is a, a you know, you use the term, this 90 years is my internship. That that shifted a lot for me because oh, yeah. most people think my life is about now and I've got to do everything yes. now. And if I don't live my best life now, using that phrase, um, I will have failed. Yes. So help give us, because we're finite people and we can't think eternal thoughts. Right. It's so hard to think like a thousand years down the road and then practically what's that look like? So what is this life about? Mm -hmm. And now that, that's fantastic. It's like the thing we said a minute ago, we acclimate, you know, one quarter of an inch at a time. We shift over that paradigm shifts real slow, but it does shift if we're intentional about it because we are right. finite in our thinking and our thinking we're finite, but we're eternal spirits. That's why we long for things that last forever. Our spirit creates yeah. eternity Though our mind is right now, it actually isn't finite. Our, our understanding is finite right now, but our mind actually is eternal. We're going to last forever. I mean, so yeah. anyway, that's, I'm being a little it's technical there, but I know what you're talking about. So our 70, yay, 80 years on the earth, I call it our internship. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, he's going to give the shock of, the, of, of someone's life when he looks at them on the last day. And he says, well done, you were faithful in very little, in small things. Matthew 25, verse 21. And Luke and Luke 19 says the same thing. Luke 19 says, you were faithful in very little. And Matthew 25 says, very small. And so what does faithful in very little look like? It doesn't mean very little faithfulness. It means we've only been given a little sphere of impact. It's very little. You know, we're, we're to obey the Lord. By humbling ourselves, we're to obey the Lord by resisting uh, the temptation to quit and cave in, by resisting revenge, retaliation, by owning our anger. All those little decisions, the little nickel decisions, and we there's thousands of them. We give a guy a cup of cold water, and we, we go out of our way to do it. 
we pour ourselves out to Bible study. You know, 14 people come to it. Next week, it's only 12. The next week's only eight. And then eight of the people there a few years later are mad at you. And you think, what was that about? And the Lord says, it's not about the size of the sphere. You did what I told you. I told you I inspired you, not less like I told you, audible voice told you. I inspired you to teach that Bible study with eight people. Yeah, but it was like nobody even listened. He said, I didn't tell you to make them listen. I told you to teach it. Mm-hmm. And, and because you did it, and of course he knows that when I teach the Bible study, that grows from 14 down to 8, and I'm all discouraged and want to quit. He knows I got changed in it, and he knows that I'm going to carry that with me the rest of my life. I don't even care about that. I wanted to go from 14 to 28. <laughs> That's what I want. He wants me to get changed. Right. And he goes, I know better than you, so I'm just going to stay with this thing. But we think if we touch thousands, we did good. The Lord says, if you do the will of God, Bob Jones used to say it. If you do the will of God, that's all I've asked of you. Bob Jones used to say this, you know, the prophetic man who went on to be with the Lord about 10 years ago or eight years ago. He said, the Lord visited him in a dream once and said, if you raise the dead or take a nap, if you do the will of God that day, the pay is the same. If you wow. raise the dead or take a nap, if it's the will of God in that afternoon, it's the pays the same. He's not more impressed by raising the dead. As I've given this message over the years, and I'm like, tune in a little bit more to what you're saying, Dwayne, because I know exactly uh, the question is a very good one, very important one about the millennial kingdom. But I've said this over the years, the same kind of corny illustration. I go, when Billy Graham stands before the Lord, Jesus doesn't say, Father, I think that's Billy Graham over there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that's so silly. When Billy Graham stands before the Lord, he doesn't, God doesn't say, you filled 100 stadiums, 500 stadiums. He doesn't get evaluated on that by the size of his ministry impact. Billy Graham gets evaluated exactly at the same way you and I do, by the size of our heart response. The Lord's not going to say, you filled stadiums, my goodness. He's going to say, Billy, Yes. those afternoons, you did what I told you. You prepared the message. You played with your kids. You helped that one neighbor. That one afternoon, you took a nap. That other afternoon, yeah. you studied a little bit and served them out. The other afternoon, you talked to a friend out of discouragement. The other night, you spoke to 100,000 people. It's all the same to me. You did the yeah. will of God. 100,000 isn't yeah. any more important than talking to that discouraged guy who knocks on your door and it interrupts you and you're tired. You want him to just say, go away. And the Lord's whispers, no, no, this is, a, this is the 100,000. Just do what I tell you. That's what was so shocking about the Matthew 10, 42. I love this verse because this verse says a thousand implications to it. You give a cup of cold water. He says, truly, true. I love that word, truly. Truly, I say to you, you will not lose your reward. Truly, the small act of obedience will be remembered forever by me. That's why that act of obedience is important. I mean, it helps the thirsty guy no matter what, and that's important. But the fact that he remembers it forever, that makes that lazy Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock when you're tired, and that guy knocked on your door and you gave him a cup of cold water, makes that an important afternoon because he remembers it So. Before we we get to the millennial, I just got to just – I think it will jump in here. This – advertising, marketing – even a lot of pulpits call us to success. And so we think success is numbers, bank account, impact. And 
and what I learned under you um, is actually success is not a biblical concept. It's not a biblical word, success. And the idea of faithfulness is actually what is throughout the scriptures. So success and the messaging we hear is actually not biblical, but it's where most of us measure ourselves and what most of us pursue. Like what is a successful family? You got the car, the sub suburban, you, 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 all of these things. And, and I, I, you guys that are listening, I want you to really get this. This is a huge point that is going to bring much peace to your life yeah, because this, sure. is a, this is a game that you can succeed in. Uh-huh. Everybody. Yes. So I've often, when I've talked on this, I've talked about the woman in the, in the, on the mountain in Mexico and me where I've got access to Instagram, I'm an American, everybody's listening to me, I speak English, and and then the woman in Mexico, she actually could be much more faithful and be and be, receive a greater reward than me. And so this is a huge point that I just don't want us to quickly run over. Right. No, this is huge. And and this understanding transformed my life because I was young. I had a pocket full of prophetic promises. My destiny was everything. And then I find myself as a a mom of little children and Dwayne's able to do the stuff. And I'm left with diapers and scraping banana off the bottom of the floor. And, and understanding faithfulness gave me opportunities that, um, mundane activities became avenues of encounter with God. And I went, oh, his, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. If this is what he wants for me, then I can do this even though it's not exotic, even though it doesn't feel super hyper-spiritual. There was something in being faithful on a daily basis that allowed me to feel like I actually was walking on what the Lord wanted me to walk in. And then it just took the pressure off of me that I was missing it. And there was a timetable for my desired impact. It was like, oh, okay, I've got, I've got years and years and years, even into the millennial kingdom to stay steady in faithfulness. So I mean, no, I can't so it, no, articulate it's, it, but, but it's it just changed a, everything for me. Well, well you, you articulate you something. You articulate very clear. What do you mean you can't articulate it? You just said it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it gives you something to what you can succeed in. Yeah. Every individual. This is a track that everyone wins it's, if you get this yeah. biblical perspective. It's the leveling field for the nations. So now the the woman in the lowest caste system in India, who's a believer but born into an unjust system, can be great in God. Oh, man. That's like, oh, he's good. Yeah, the judgment so, seat of Christ, which is the place where he evaluates us, it's the great equalizer. Right yes. there, yes. that's the great equalizer. At the end of the day, if we he wants faithfulness, and if our faithfulness is there, even our our faithfulness is broken and flawed, but he's so yeah. generous, he 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 evaluates through the editing process of the grace of God, and what we would call that guy over there, he's not that faithful. The Lord would even still call him faithful. The Lord, we're going to be yeah. shocked how gracious he is. I mean, yeah. he really is gracious, but. Uh, Dwayne, you probably don't know this, but that lady from Mexico, you got that testament, you got that example from me. Did you know that? 
Yes, I did know that. Yes, okay. I did know that. Because here's why. That was an actual, because I used, I've said that over the years, an actual right. something that happened to me. When I was 18 years old, I went to Mexico with a youth group. I took the youth group there in a big bus. And we went up in the mountains. And there was this lady up in the mountains that was part of the outreach. She was one of the little home groups up there in the mountains of the church we were serving. And she was this lady, probably in her 60s. I mean, just let me say it without saying it just perfect. Yeah. Her hair was dirty, good and dirty. She was missing several teeth. She was not educated. She was probably, I'm not great at this, but probably 300 pounds. And I went there and served. And this lady loved Jesus. She had a sparkle wow. in her eye. And she talked Spanish and they interpreted it. And I just said, something hit me so hard. I looked at her and I mean, I had a, I wouldn't have called it an encounter because you didn't use that term when I was 18. No one did. The Holy Spirit touched me. She had a true sparkle in her eye. Everybody said, that lady's amazing. I looked at her, dirty hair, couple missing teeth, you know, not real good shape, uneducated, sparkle. And the Holy Spirit in my heart, I left there and I said, I don't know what he said to me because I didn't have language for that back then when I was 18. But I told the people all the way home, I mentioned it many times driving back from, from Monterey, Mexico, back to Kansas City, like 25 hour drive. And I kept saying, that lady, she bothers me. That lady, wow. who is she? Because what I left with, if I could be like her, my life would be successful. I was so marked by that. So over the years, I said, that poor lady. I always, I got her in my phone yeah, yeah. yeah. The poor lady in Mexico. I go, no, that lady, yeah. if I can be like her, I've never yeah. lost the image of that in my mind. I didn't know you even yeah, knew I said that. That was a no, real I, I, when I teach. When I teach it, I always, I always like when I teach Millennial Kingdom and those things. I, I always tell that story, and I know that I got it from you. And I, but yeah. I've never heard hey, that part. Well, the dirty hair and the missing teeth and the no education—that's helpful too. Because yeah. I thought, because we would be very unhappy by that lifestyle. Very unhappy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. She wasn't in good shape because she didn't have a good diet. Talk about yeah. this. They don't have too many carbs. All she had was carbs. <laughs> I mean, she had right, no. Right. Way to- <laughs> She had no way out. That lady yeah. had a sparkle in her face. I, yeah, she bothered me in a good way. I yes. said, I, I don't know if yes. I can be like that. I don't mean live yes. in that kind of situation, but have the sparkle she has. Yeah, and there's something so beautiful about that. That the simple that those those acts that would be disregarded as nothing are counted before God. And I was in Brazil, and I I preached. And I was talking about, you know, letting God into our lives and, you know, the Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do with all your heart is unto the Lord. And I told a story about I would change diapers and I would say to the Lord, I'm doing this for you. This is, you said whatever, do it, you know, unto you. So I share that illustration. And at the end, this woman comes up to me and she's um, wheeling her adult daughter who's mentally handicapped, but I would say debilitated. It's not just slight. 
and she's weeping. Wow. And she says, I've been changing her diaper for 22 years. You're telling me God is going to count that as faithfulness? And I said, yes. And she just like trembled under the relief of believing that her life mattered before God. I mean, that was staggering to me. Like, how beautiful is this woman? Yeah, the cup yeah. of every small act. Because yeah. the, way, the way I've said it, because I like what you said, but some people argue with you with semantics and they'll try to get you in a corner. He doesn't know the word of God. He doesn't have no faith. You yeah. know, using the word success. So here's how I've done yeah. it. I have found this yeah. is easier. They don't have to argue so much. I called it the primary definition of success and the secondary definition. And what we're talking about, the That's secondary. Good. And the secondary, yeah. you know, is the Harvard degree, the growing business, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I appreciate that. But the yeah. primary totally. definition of success is the faithful heart because you'll always have that. There's a million of believers go, you don't call that successful. My God's going to make me successful. And you say, no, no, that's secondary. That's good. It comes and goes right. in seasons. Sometimes yes, sometimes yes. no. And you can't know, but you can always be faithful, successful at the heart level. Always. Yes. I mean, yeah. stumble throughout the week of course you know have bad attitudes for a few hours here and there but that's still you keep signing back up that's called success and so yeah. i called it secondary because i got tired of arguing with people because but you're saying it right and jennifer i got no, that's good before we move on is that uh the thing i have said you've even you liked it when i said it because it's really true though but i i like it that you liked it I said, people like, oh, that's so sweet. What are you saying? I go, no, I'm not being sweet. I'm not. I promise you. I said, the most successful discipleship makers are like homeschooling moms. And that yeah. this, we have this yeah. idea that when the kids grow up, then we get involved in the Great Commission. I go, changing diapers, making lunch, cleaning up, and talking to your four year old and your 14 year old is making disciples. There is yeah. no yeah. more. No more discipleship-making successful people than moms who love Jesus. And moms go, oh, yeah. that's so sweet. I go, I promise you, I'm not trying to be sweet. I'm trying to yeah. get you into perspective. That is reality. There's only a few right donkeys in the earth. There's only a few. Yeah. For, don't even, yeah. If he told you to be one, God will chase you down and overrun you and make you be that. Go disciple those three people around you and get the shock of your life when the Lord says at the end, you did well. Yes. Yeah. Now that's beautiful. I love it. So story, let's wait, wait. So the end of the story, Jennifer, when you guys all stand before the Lord and you are those diapers and you get your reward and Dwayne's out at the big conferences, remember to invite him up to your place. Okay. <laughs> Be you got gracious and power. Okay. There'll be a little spot for him. <laughs> so that's th awesome. This has been really rich. I, but I still want us to, we got to go, just stay with us a little bit longer, guys. I want us to, why, what's my evaluation unto? We got to touch that because it's so changed my paradigm and my pursuit. So the millennial kingdom, what, my positioning, all of that, just hit that for us. I'll just be real brief, but I'll get, I, and I've got a lot on my website on the millennial kingdom. That's the thousand year yeah. reign when Jesus returns. We are going, he's going to bring heaven down to the earth. 
So all the saints with resurrected bodies, we will live in the new Jerusalem, but the new Jerusalem will descend to the earth. It says it three times in the book of Revelation. So the new Jerusalem is coming down. We will live in the new Jerusalem with a physical resurrected body. We will have flesh. It will be resurrected flesh, not corruptible flesh. We will have bones. I would like to tell yes. people, we'll have an elbow. You know, it's like this idea we'll hug each other in the age to come and kind of pass through each other because we're all spirit. Yeah. No, you will be as physical, as as solid as you are right now, but in utter perfection. You'll live in the new Jerusalem, but at the speed of an angel travels, as an angel could go from heaven to earth really fast, you'll go from new Jerusalem to your assignment on the earth in seconds. You will have a physical resurrected body you'll be training people who live on the earth with natural bodies you'll be interacting with people with resurrected bodies that have physical resurrected bodies we will eat food we will have new friendships we will meet new people and learn their story we will grow in knowledge we will have new discoveries we will have acts of obedience all those things continue forever your greatest teaching ministry is your, is your thousand years assignment of teaching. I will teach many people far more effective in my thousand year teaching assignment than my 50 to 70 year teaching assignment. I appreciate it, but I'm practicing my muscle on my teaching and I want to be faithful even if I stumble in my teaching. I, I mean, meaning it's boring and people all leave and like, I'm discouraged afterwards. And I felt that many times. You know, Dwayne, I remember that time you came to me and said, oh, I had that horrible sermon. Blah, blah, blah. I said, Dwayne, yes. you will never know how many times I left the meeting saying, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> and we oh. laughed and you said, it's funny. But I said, it really is. This, I know this so well. And you go, no, you don't. I go, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> but the good news is it mattered even if it didn't touch them. It touched the Lord. But my 50-year teaching assignment on the earth, whatever the number is, I don't know what the number is, is not near as significant as my thousand-year assignment. And I will be a teacher in the age to come, and I think probably we all will. And we will teach people with resurrected bodies. We will teach angels. We will teach people with natural bodies who live on the millennial earth. I will learn from you. You will learn from me. We will grow in the knowledge of God forever and forever from the mouths of each other, not just directly by the Spirit, but by the Spirit, people talking to us. And so this I idea, that. I want to get ready. I'm in, I'm in internship right now. It's called my assignment on planet Earth. I'm mm -hmm. getting ready for my teaching ministry and my other ministry, my thousand-year assignment. It's really real. It's not a joke. I mean, we yeah, will eat real yeah. food. We will have real friendships. Dwayne, there will be times I'll introduce you to this guy from Asia who lived in the 8th century. And I'll tell you his story. Then you'll tell me a story from a guy from Africa who lived in the 12th century. We'll introduce them to each other. They'll tell their story. Then their friends will have stories. And we will grow and grow. It will never end our friendships, our excitement. That I'll leave the meeting with you guys and go meet my friend from Brazil and tell him about the guy from Africa and Asia that I was with Dwayne with. And he'll say, can I meet them? This will go on and on with so much joy and clarity. So this, if you know, this might be new for some of you, but this is a, a a biblical truth that has been held throughout church history, the millennial kingdom. And so, in regards to then uh, evaluation, what is it unto? 
uh, just talk about that a little bit, okay. just the faithfulness okay. issue and then Matthew, when I'm evaluated, uh, a reward or regret. Matthew 25, it's at verse 21. And the Luke yep. 19, it's the same one. He says, you're faithful in very little or very small. Now rule 10 cities. So the guy who wasn't even over a Bible study, but he was faithful in a very little, he, he had one neighbor kid, one brother that he didn't like that much, but he witnessed to him and served him. Never got married. His parents were hard to get along with, and he worked at the factory. That's his assignment. <laughs> okay. And he's yep. faithful. And he goes resurrected. He goes to the age to come. The Lord says, you're going to be over 10 cities. He goes, like, I've never been over a Bible study. Well, that's okay. you got a resurrected mind. you got the Holy Spirit on you. you got lots of opportunities and resources. Hey, over 10 cities. Now, he will share that leadership with others over that city, but it blows mind. He'll go, I was only over this much. I, I wasn't over nothing, but I had a sphere, very, very little. And it will translate to a sphere of authority and a sphere of influence over cities, nations, peoples. There's many ways that it transfers in authority. I have a, a, a teaching on the on our website, themikemickle.org or .com or .something, <laughs> whatever it is, the Mike Mickle Library. And it's like, I forgot the number, it's like 10 or nine, it was about five or eight years ago, 10 categories of eternal rewards, maybe it's nine, where I, like gold, crowns, different quality of garments, different yes. types yes. of housing, proximity to the Lord, sphere of authority, yes. a number of different things. I got nine or 10 of them, I can't remember, with several verses under each one and description because I've really studied this. Why do I study it? Because of that experience I had, I started with in October 78. Yes. That's what set me on this trajectory. For yes. the 40 plus years, every Christian bookstore I've ever gone into, they don't have Christian bookstores now, hardly, but I used to travel and go to everyone. I would always buy every book on heaven, eternity, or visions of eternity, or the judgment seat of Christ. I studied every book possible on it which are not that many books, just so you know, but I got about that many of them at home. Yeah. <laughs> and so I became a fanatic to try to understand this. So I've been a, not a perfect student, but a zealous student of this for 40 years, trying to scroll down on saying, wait, these rewards are real. So I yes. have understood about 10 categories. I can't remember the exact number, but I got lots of passages on that. And, uh, but it's not just sphere of authority, is there's crowns, there's treasures, there's there's quite a few, and I don't get them all. I only have hints, yeah. but the hints mean they're diverse, though. They're not the same reward. Right. And so they matter, and that's my point of just – and so Mike, it's MikePickle.org. So, <laughs> so. I was trying to say Mike Pickle Teaching Library, but it's MikePickle.org, the teaching library. That's it. I got a link. Yeah. I mean, it's with incredible everybody resources. listening. Yeah. I would encourage you guys to go there. It's filled with unbelievable, I mean, thousands of teachings, actually. But in there, in Millennial Kingdom, look it up. And then also Eternal Rewards. There's teachings on there. And I would highly recommend you guys because, and I, you know, I'll wrap it up with just giving you this. My, you know, I, Jennifer and I, pocket full of prophecies. And, and when, when pro delayed prophecies don't come or they don't come like you thought they would yeah. yes. and you've lived your life pursuing them, it is so disillusioning. Yeah. Which almost and every so, prophecy doesn't come like you think in the time you think, yeah. oh, I'm 10 for I mean, 10. Like yes. I'm 10 for 10 right now. Yeah. 
So, and it's in that wrestle where this message, I believe, can help settle you and give you vision for the next two decades of your life. And I want you guys to get this teaching. Um, you know, in our, I, I've got a class already lined out that I want to lay out on this because it is so essential to our lives. Yeah. And so, Mike, I, uh, we've taken up a ton of your time. And so I just want to say I love you deeply. Yes. Uh, I'm so grateful for the how you've impacted my life and even today, the jewels that you've passed on. But um, just uh, I really want to encourage everybody, MikePickle.org, and, and put that in your uh, in your browser on a, on a regular basis, but love you, my friend. And thank you so much, Mike. Yes, thank hey, you. One other thing. I love your children. I love your children. You came here with a couple of them and you had, you came here with one, you had two. So there's three total. Yep. I've watched them yep. grow up their whole life. They love Jesus. They're amazing. And Sydney's husband, amazing. You are yes. blessed in a way. And I, you're so used to it. I mean, but you're smart enough to look over there and see what's happening. A lot of families, you, it's like, it's amazing yeah. what's happening to your family. So I just wanted to say, no. good job. Good job. No, bless you, thank you. That will, that will bless them. All, All right, right, my friend. Love you. Love you. Okay, we'll talk soon. You. All right. Bye. Bye.